Well, welcome once again to A Secret to Everybody. This is episode 25, and so we've come quite a long way since we've started, so I want to thank everyone that has been listening since the beginning. I really appreciate that. I published the first episode of the show on March 16th of this year, so this past Monday marked a half a year of me doing the show, so that's kind of cool. I hope that the next half a year is even better, especially as we're going to get into the holiday season and we're going to get a lot of great new games coming out. But we can't celebrate for too long because we have a lot to jump into this week, so let's do that. Uh, I just want to give a quick reminder that my Fiverr campaign that I talked about last week is still active. I haven't had any takers yet, and so there was a lack of advertisement at the beginning of this episode. If you noticed, um, I would have done it before the music even started, but I didn't because I have no one to advertise for. So if you have any interest in this at all, or know someone who does, please share because I'd really appreciate it. Um, I think $5 is a fair price, more than enough for a small podcast. And I'd like to get some ads going to make some money and generate some interest, so that'd be really cool. So even if it's not anything that you're trying to sell, if you just want to advertise your blog or your YouTube channel, I don't care. Um, that's fine. You you're, can advertise your Twitter account for all I care. Um, you can see the details of that in the Fiverr campaign page. I'll link to that again. So that's there for you, and please share that if you would be so kind. <clears throat> Next, uh, Grand Theft Auto V came out this week. I could not possibly care less about it. Um, I don't I've never played a Grand Theft Auto game, and the I got kind of annoyed with how every gaming site was blowing up with news about it. So don't expect any analysis from me, but I did want to highlight something, that this is the most expensive video game that has ever been made. If you look at the statistics, Grand Theft Auto IV had an estimated cost of $266 million to make. That's $266 million. So coming in second place in a video game chart at $200 million, is the video game Grant? Uh, I'm sorry, Star Wars: The Old Republic, and that came out in 2011. So GTA 5 has it beat by 66 million dollars. In third place, which really isn't surprising, is Grand Theft Auto 4, which came out in 2008 and only cost 100 million dollars. So that's insane. That you know, it's the most expensive game ever made, and it's over twice what the last game cost just five years ago. But wait for this. We're going to compare them to some movies too. So adjusted for inflation. The most expensive movie ever made to this day is Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End, which that was in 2007, and it cost $300 million then, or $332 million today. Tangled in 2010 cost $260 million, which means that unadjusted for inflation, Grand Theft Auto V is second only to the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie as the most expensive form of entertainment ever. So what I'm saying is, if you take the money that the movie cost when it was made, the second highest movie ever made was Tangled, and that was $260 million when it came out. So Grand Theft Auto V only has the third Pirates of the Caribbean movie above it in overall cost. I read on one site that the game is expected to make about $1.57 billion in one year, so it should be worth it for Rockstar. Um, I'm a developer I really don't like at all. I don't care for their games, and I really don't like them. But I did hear that they made about $580 million on launch day, so that's nuts. So they already made over twice what they invested in back. So, yeah, um, I, that's enough about GTA. Um, you can listen to a different show if you need info on it, because I'm not going to be talking about it. A very brief update from last time I just want to touch on real quick. Mighty Number no. 9 from the Mega Man creators is at $2,309,915 pledged as of Thursday's recording right now meaning it will have Xbox 360 and PS3 versions confirmed, and Jordan Taylor's Kickstarter from Blimey Cow is still going strong. They have $9,468 as of right now raised, and that has passed their goal of $5,000. Both of those projects, again, end on October 1st, and that's all I'm going to say about them because I've talked about them so much before. Just a quick update there. 
Uh, I have an exciting new indie game on the horizon that I want to talk about this week. I stumbled upon this past week. It's called Two Brothers, and it's from the indie developer Ack Studios, A-C-K-K Studios. Uh, to hear what makes this game so cool, I'm actually just going to borrow a piece of the description from the site because I there wasn't I, I haven't played it, obviously, and there's not a ton of stuff on it since it's a fairly um, new game with a small developer, so I'm just going to borrow what the site says about it. It says, Two Brothers takes a long, hard look at death in video games. When the player is killed in combat or triggers a deadly trap, instead of being greeted in a familiar game-over screen, the player finds himself in what we call the Afterlife Hub. This realm of the dead is a colorful and mysterious place where the player can explore, find clues, and interact with characters who have passed on in the game's story, sometimes even bringing some of them back from the dead. When the player wants to return to gameplay, they can jump from the edge of the heavens and get back into the action and exploration. This mechanic is vital to the gameplay, as sometimes interacting with the dead is just as important as interacting with the living. This feature often requires the player intentionally ending their session in a game over, just to cross over to the other side. So I think this is really unique, I think the game sounds fantastic. It's actually presented in a Game Boy style of graphics, with that familiar greenish hue, but there's color on the dead world. So if you like that pixel style of art like I do, I think you'll be right at home with this. Um, right now you can pre-order the game on their website, which I will link to, and the game is going to release on October 15th, and that's for Windows and Linux. They hope to get the game soon on PlayStation Network, Xbox 360, Wii U, and Mac OS X, but that will be in the future, if at all. So that's all I have to say about it, because it's not out yet, so I don't know a whole lot about it. But listen in uh, in a few weeks when I get the game, and I'll give a better report on that. What's really cool is the developers on Twitter, I follow them on Twitter, they gave me a copy of the soundtrack, because they tweeted um, who, should get this, who should get the copy of the Two Brothers soundtrack and why, and I said me, because I will reference you guys on my podcast, so I'm doing that now, of course. So they gave me permission actually to use a track from it as the outro for an episode. So that will send us off today a little bit later, so thanks to them for letting me do that. Uh, this week's tech topic we're going to get to in just one second because I wanted to mention the Humble Bundle that I talked about last week that came out just before I recorded. I added a couple of new games, a virus named Tom, Limbo, and a few others, that, and Bastion, and one other game that I uh, skips my mind right now. So that's really cool. If you've already beat the average on the Humble Bundle, those games are waiting for you right now. If you haven't beat the average, you can beat the average and get all of the games, the original two, FTL, Faster Than Light, and Fez, along with the four new ones, if you beat the average, which is only about 470 right now, so it hasn't gone up too much. Really excited about that, um, I'm, I'm always looking for the Humble Bundles, and actually, I, I actually already had Bastion, because I bought it during the Steam sale for just a couple dollars, and I had an extra copy from the Humble Bundle, so I was going to give it away, but I decided not to, because last time I tried to do that, it took like six weeks, and I still didn't give it away, so forget about that. Anyway, this week's tech topic uh, was chosen because last week I installed the Windows 8.1 preview in a virtual machine on my computer so I could test it out and see how my software Windows 8 actually is. I've used it very little since it came out, I've helped a few friends set it up, and I wanted to actually have reasons why I don't like it. I won't go into detail now, but suffice it to say that I really did not like it at all. I never want to have to upgrade to that quote. So this week, the tech highlight is a beauty of a program called Classic Shell, which of course I'll link to. See, in Windows 8, Microsoft stupidly removed the start menu from uh, their Windows 8 operating system. Instead, they opted for the useless Metro interface that they forced you to use for no reason. So in Windows 8.1, which is coming out in a couple of weeks in mid-October, they're claiming to bring the start menu back, the start button back, I should say, but it actually doesn't do anything. It just links to the Metro interface, which is really stupid. Um, so, you know, you could do that before. If you just point at the right side of the screen, click the click the button to go to the metro screen that's you could do that before and now they're saying oh we brought the start button back but all it does is bring it to the metro screen so it's effectively worthless you could just tap the windows key to do that so it's really stupid anyway 
Classic Shell brings all the functionality you want from the Start menu back. Let you have the familiar Start menu from any version of Windows you want. You can pick from the Classic style, like in Windows 98 and 95, Windows XP style, or the most recent style that was in Vista, Windows Vista and 7. It's also super customizable, so if there was some aspect of the Windows 7 Start menu that you didn't really like, you can you can bring it into Windows 8 and then tweak it. You can change the color, what's linked in the Start menu, how many recent programs to display, stuff like that. Stuff like that. And also, if you're on a tech person, it's really nice too because the default settings will do you just fine. It's not a big deal with, you don't have to play around with everything to get it to work. It works right out of the box. I would definitely recommend giving it a try if you're on Windows 8 or soon to be 8.1 because it adds much needed functionality that, that they just completely took away from Windows 8 for no good reason. It's completely free. I tried it on my virtual copy of 8.1 and it was the best thing I used the entire time I was using it. So if you're stuck with 8, it'll make it a whole lot better with Classic Shell. So this week's topic, we're going to discuss some famous actors who have lent their voices to video games. I'll mention what the actors are known for in, in the movie and TV world and what they play in the games. Hopefully it'll prove interesting. And my only condition for the list when I was making it is that the actors playing their own characters does not count. Um, for example, Tobey Maguire plays, P plays Peter Parker in Spider-Man and the Spider-Man movies, obviously. So it's only natural that, I mean, not every game does this, of course, if it's a low-budget game, but it's only natural for Tobey to lend his voice to be to the... Spider-Man games, so I'm not gonna quote every you know I'm not gonna quote every actor for playing the voice of their own character in a game. So in no particular order, here are a few actors who have played uh, their voice in video games. First is Liam Neeson. Uh, in the movie world, he's known for playing Oscar Schindler in the movie Schindler's List in 1993. He's known for playing Ducard in Batman Begins and Brian Mills in the movie Taken and Taken Two. Um, in video games, Liam Neeson's really his only contribution to games is he plays James, who is the player's father in Fallout 3. Uh, the quest to find your father in Fallout 3 is like the central plot of the of the early story missions, not the entire thing, but his your father does play a pivotal role in the game, which was released in 2008. Um, Liam Neeson has a great voice, obviously. He plays Aslan in the Narnia series, so I think he has a great father voice for that, and he adds to the epicness of an already great game. So he's like one of the first things you see in the game because you start life as, as a baby and he raises you as kind of a tutorial. So I think it really worked out well to have him for that. And it kind of just right off the bat makes you feel like you're playing a quality game because it's a, an actor's voice that you recognize. A uh, second is Kiefer Sutherland. Mainly he's known for his role as Jack Bauer in the TV series 24. In video games, you'll know him as Sergeant Roebuck in the 2008 Call of Duty World at War. Uh, he yelled at the player a lot, basically. Um, in the story missions, Sergeant Roebuck is basically the commander for the Marine missions. Um, and he also, if you play online, which everyone does, he voiced the multiplayer commander for the Marine Corps, which, I mean... It, it's not really two different people. I mean, Sergeant Roebuck is the commander in the, in the campaign, so it only makes sense that in the multiplayer he would be the voiceover for that. So anytime you hear, you know, UAV inbound or you know, stuff like that, that was that was Kiefer Sutherland when you were playing for the Marine Corps. Our third one is Gary Oldman, and he was known most recently for his role as James Commissioner James Gordon in Nolan's Batman trilogy, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises in 05, 08, and 2012. He also starred as the bad guy, Ivan Korshinov, in the movie Air Force One with Harrison Ford in 1997. In video games, most recently, and pretty much only, he played Victor Reznov in Call of Duty World at War. Um, like, it, pretty much the counterpart to what Keith Sutherland did, he is the commander of the Russian forces when you play their missions in the campaign, so you're pretty much with him the entire time early in the game. You play a private, I believe, that it, that escapes the brutality at Stalingrad, and you're able to escape, and so you're with him almost the entire time. And like Keith Sutherland, he also provides the voiceover for the Red Army in multiplayer, so think about that when you have some, when you're playing for the Red Army in World of War, and you have your commander tell you that a UAV is coming in, that is 
Commissioner Gordon of Batman telling you that, so that's pretty cool. And also he returns in Black Ops, which is technically a sequel to Call of Duty World of War, because it, the campaign talks a lot about World of War and what happened. Uh, he voices Reznov in that game again, too. Number four is Michael Bean, who I always thought his name was like Michael Bain, but apparently it's Bean. So, Michael Bain, Bean is... I just said it. He's an 80s sci-fi action star. He's known mostly for his roles in The Terminator, which was in 84, as Kyle Reese, Corporal Dwayne Hicks in Aliens, that was in 1986, and in 1989's The Abyss as Lieutenant Hiram Coffey. He was a natural pick for the very recent just released this past May, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. As you know, if you've been listening, I've sung this downloadable title's praises before, and part of what I love so much about this game was the cheesy one-liners that are almost non-stop. Bean plays the overdone Cyber Commando Sergeant Rex Power Colt in Blood Dragon. He brings a ton of life to the character, and he does the 80s proud. Um, I love the game, like I said, it's cheesy, it's, it's action-packed, it's just fun, it, it lasts for just long enough, it's a little bit too short, but long enough. I love the game, and I wasn't even around in the 80s, so the game really must be good. Uh, in fact, honestly, I would play the game again on hard mode if I had the time. So I recommend 100%. If you, have, if you don't have it, get this game. It's just plain fun. Number 5 is Tara Strong. Not really known for her acting, but if you watch cartoons, surely you'll know this lady's voice. Some of her main highlights include voicing Timmy Turner in the Fairly Odd Parents TV series, Bubbles in the Powerpuff Girls, and Dill Pickles in Rugrats and also in All Grown Up. In the video game world, she's most known for playing the voice of Harley Quinn in the somewhat recent Batman Arkham City that was released in 2011. Uh, she also voiced Talon in the first two Ratchet & Clank Future games, which was Tools of Destruction and Quest for Booty. Just a couple more here. Uh, number six is John Goodman. You probably know him most likely as Sullivan, uh, you know, James P. Sullivan from 2001's Monsters, Inc. from Pixar. He played the voice of Dan Hagar in 2009's Rage, who was one of the first people you meet in the game. Um, number 7 is 50 Cent. He's actually not an actor. Well, he acts a little bit, but he's a famous rapper. 50 Cent was the Navy SEAL commander in Modern Warfare 2, uh, again with the voiceovers. On that note, too, Ice Cube, as well, was in Black Ops, the first Black Ops. He played forget Bowman in the campaign, and he was the SOG leader. Same thing with the multiplayer voice. And our final one, Seth Green. He's known in the acting world for playing the voice of Chris Griffin in the TV series Family Guy, and he also appeared in all three Austin Powers movies as Scott Evil. But Seth Green has appeared in video games. He's appeared in all three of the Mass Effect games as Jeff, Joker, Morale. I've not played those games, so I don't really know what where that is, but Mass Effect's pretty popular. So that's enough for now. Um, I hope you enjoyed placing some familiar voices in games with some familiar actors. Uh, thanks for listening. I Looks like this show was actually kind of short, so I apologize for that. Um, we've had some long ones when I had Corey and stuff like that, so I guess this balances it out. I'm sorry for the erratic ups and downs of the show length. Um, so, yeah, I I guess it's a slow week for news or whatever. Um, so, thanks for listening, and you know, try to share that Fiverr campaign. I really appreciate it. So, as promised and with permission, today's outro is the track "Tip Top Peaks." Tip Top Peaks from the game Two Brothers soundtrack, and that is releasing on October 15th. So enjoy that, and we'll see you next time.